Welcome back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, is my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, Alina moderating the chat. We have a fantastic show coming up for you tonight. Uh, N.K. Cranda, experiencer researcher, is with us this evening. I met her at the Laughlin UFO MegaCon. It's a fantastic event, and she had a really compelling topic that uh, she discussed about uh, trauma and experiencers. And so we're going to be talking about that this evening as well as uh, many other topics as well. So first of all, N.K., welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Be awkward if you didn't want me here. Oh, oh too soon, too soon. Uh, yeah, that would be a little awkward for sure. But um, like I said, you know, uh, you had a really compelling topic at the uh, at the UFO MegaCon in that um, you know a lot of people you know they have these experiences. Uh, there's trauma involved, and people ask them to recount their tales, and then as they do so, they're kind of you know, they're kind of left in the wind having to relive that trauma. And, you know, I thought it was a topic that, you know, not enough people really talk about. And so it's kind of what I wanted to lead off here with this evening. We'll get into some other things as well. But um, can you kind of give us the uh, background of the highlights of, of this type of research? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I am an experiencer. I have been for my whole life. Uh, I used to be a secretary for MUFON. Um, I used to do a whole bunch of stuff for them, and I was actually a certified investigator for a long time. And when it came down to running uh, MUFON meetings, there were a lot of people there that, you know, they were kind of put on the spotlight. They were very nervous to be there, and they just really wanted to, to kind of share their tale and get some validation or maybe some questions answered. And instead, they had a lot of, um, doubt thrown at them and really inappropriate questions. And eventually they, they would just give the mic away and I would always stay after. And I would ask them, you know, if, if you want to stay after, if you want to have a cup of tea or something, I'd be happy to talk to you. So more than once I did. And I got some really amazing testimony and, uh, I found out that nobody was really writing them down. So I found an original Rundlesham experiencer. I was talking to moms, I was talking to military veterans. I was talking to military active duty. And uh, long after I left MUFON, I just kept doing it. Right. Now, you're no longer with MUFON anymore, but you, you've you kept up this research. And are you still finding the, the same type of thing outside of MUFON? Yes. Uh, most of my experiencers are referred to me through other colleagues or they find me through podcasts. Um, I never really go searching for experiencers, so it's it's kind of interesting how they find you, especially when you're in a grocery store or trying to buy a couch. Yeah, and uh, what's was kind of interesting, we were having some technical issues before the show, and you're you're talking about you know you're an experiencer, you work with experiencers, you live with experiencers, and so um, it seems to kind of uh, follow you around. You know, the strange electronic issues and things like that uh, that that happen a lot. Oh yeah, I was in Detroit, and uh, for whatever reason, it was just awful. From Charlotte to Detroit, every flight had gone wrong. They ran out of fuel. The check engine lights came on. I was, I literally came to a point where I was going to quit. I'm like, you know what? No more book. No more traveling. I'm done. And I turned around, and this guy was wearing a T-shirt that said, "No progress will be saved. Quit, yes or no." And I was like, "Really, universe? I can't even quit for 20 seconds." Really? <laughs> so what are you finding is um, kind of a, a common theme, you know, between experiencers as they're, uh, again, you know, they're kind of asked to, to relive this trauma, but what's kind of a, a common theme you're finding amongst everybody, if there is one? There's definitely a trauma connection. There's an empathy connection. Um a question that I always ask at the end of interviews is if you could stop everything today, if you could just make it stop and go back to the normal life you were living, would you? And a vast majority of them say no. Yeah. Why is, why yeah. is that? They feel that they want to help people and that it's opened their eyes and they don't want to go back to where they were before, where they 
just kind of viewed the world as a stranger this way, even if it's a good experience or a bad experience, they still want to be there and possibly help people that are going through the same thing and they don't want them to feel alone. Now, I Is that why they were getting involved with MUFON? Yeah, I think so. It's that they wanted some questions answered, but more than that, I think that they just wanted to make sure that they could be there if another person had a similar experience and maybe they could try to talk to them which did happen a lot of the time. And uh, that's one of my favorite things about the work I do is setting up experiencers with similar uh, trauma and similar experiences because sometimes I have a lot of moms and sometimes I have a lot of kids and sometimes I have a lot of military folk. And I'm like, oh, well, if you're interested, I have someone that you could talk to just as a peer, not as a colleague or anything and just see what comes of it. And they've made a lot of fast friendships that way. That's great. Victoria, you had a question? Oh, um, I've never actually heard the term experiencer before. Um, is that specific or is it like anyone who's experienced a UFO? Is it a contactee, an adductee, or or is it, is there a So I got, <laughs> I got really tired of the labels uh, contactee and abductee. Uh, people really don't like being called Sasquatch survivors. Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> So the definition of experiencer is literally um, someone who experiences. And I, I put everything under that umbrella term because I work with religious okay. miracles. I work with the military. I work with abductees. I work with contactees. I work with the paranormal. I work with demonology, you know. And there's really no reason to, to split them apart and categorize them that way. So if I ask someone, you know, have you ever seen something or had something happen to you that you can't explain? And if they say yes or no, I say yes. Well, then you're most likely an experiencer. Okay. Oh, that's and I didn't cool. make it up. It's not my term. It's just a term I kind of took and I ran with it. <laughs> I'll never tell. No, I like it. It's good because, you know, um, so many people, you know, they're not just ghost people or they're not just, you know, UAPs or Sasquatch or cryptids. I mean, once you see one, you start seeing everything, I think. So that that's perfect. It, it, yeah, I like it. Together. Yeah. So a comment here from the chat, not a question yet, but a comment from Anseline. As an experiencer myself, I agree with what she says. I would never want my experiences to just stop. It means a lot to be able to help others. And, you know, I think that's uh, kind of a, a big thing with, you know, within all these fields, whether it's, um, whether it's the the et ufo field or paranormal or you know the crypto you know we're, we're all here to to help each other i think sometimes that gets uh you know lost in the shuffle here what do you think i'm sorry if that was a question yeah. i couldn't it's okay <laughs> uh, it's okay i know that there you, you are having a little bit of a hard time hearing us now i was saying that um that oh what did ann say here again sorry um oh about being able to to help others yeah uh that you know no matter which field it is whether it's you know ufology or the uh the paranormal or cryptids you know where we've all had these experiences um you know i, I believe that you know we're all here to to help each other but sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle but you know helping people i think is a big part of you know what we're supposed to be doing here and helping people realize hey you're not alone out there so what do you think nk Absolutely. Um, I think that's why you and I kind of connected immediately as friends. We had a really good time talking. Um, I, you were very empathetic towards the people that come up and talk to you. And uh, it was a big part of my presentation where I actually called out all of the writers and the researchers and the journalists that, you know, most of these experiencers have already read the books. They've already gone to Google. They've already done their own research. So when they approach you, more than more than likely you are their last hope they're hoping for answers or they're hoping for some guidance and uh just the very cavalier attitude of you know oh god go buy my book or go do this you know you'll be fine it's like could you please take this seriously could you please care um i'm one of the only people out there that's actually keeping track of the suicide rate of active experiencers so even if I don't have time, I always try to give someone my business card or my email address and just say, hey, you know, I'm I'm really crazy busy, but I would love to talk to you and hear your story. You know, here's my information. Just please be patient. 
Yeah, and that was a, uh, I thought, a really big part of the presentation that you gave is that you you are keeping track of the suicide rates uh, in these in these fields and you know with experiencers, and I think uh, people don't really realize uh, how significant that is. That this is something that's very prevalent within the field. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, not only with hypnosis, but with uh, you know the things that lead from experiences. You know, a lot of people turn to um, drugs. A lot of people turn to hypnotherapy. Just any way they can to cope because the stigma is so high about talking about these sort of things. Do you think it's starting to come around though a little bit? Um, you know, there is a lot of information out there these days as far as, and a lot of it's with media, like with television and all that. So, um, you know, it's, it's not quite like it was 40 years ago where even if you talked about it, there is this stigma like, hush, hush, don't talk about it. You know, these days we are talking about it a little bit more. So do you think it's starting to change a bit? I am happy that it's starting to change a bit. Uh, I have definitely seen a rise of experiencers coming forward. When I did still work for Move On and Project Blue Book started uh, airing on television, they just had an influx of reports, just a huge thing that, that now it was mainstream. So it does make me happy that, you know, it's kind of part of pop- popular culture now, like the stigma is kind of going down. <clears throat> but then again, it's one of those things where it's cool to talk about, but you don't really want to talk about it happening to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I like the the Project Blue Book uh, reference. I hope they bring that back because that was uh, it was nice to see that on there. <laughs> um, real quick, we have a uh, five dollar super sticker from Sandra Miller. Thank you, Sandy. Absolutely appreciate that. We have a question here from Sarah Youssef. She asks, based on the research and experiences you have discovered, have you seen any themes of intention behind abductions? Uh, definitely. And that would fall into the generational category. So their great grandparents, their grandparents, their parents, them, uh, they would want to, they, they intentionally follow families, no matter if they move states or countries, they always seem to show up. And I've had some families with the same blue being in their room, um, for over 60 years. It, It only happens to the females and it's generational that way. Interesting. That's interesting. Do you think that's something, you know, perhaps within the DNA or is it something else? They never mentioned to me whether or not they thought that they were having um, genetic material harvested or eggs harvested or anything like that. But they did mention that, you know, reading her great grandmother's diaries and talking to her great grandfather, that it was just a theme that kept coming up and they couldn't figure it out. And I did ask her and she was RH negative, which is one of their favorite things. So I'm not sure why they're interested in that particular family, but as far as I know, it's continuing on with uh, her children. So that would be the fourth or fifth generation that this is persisting. And they've been tested for schizophrenia. They've been tested up and down for drugs. You know, she really did try everything to make it stop so that it wouldn't happen to her kids. And she's perfectly healthy and her children are perfectly healthy. And it just keeps happening. Do you find that um, experiencers, um, you said they're generational, if like um, someone had a bad experience, would that continue through their generation? And someone who perhaps had a good experience, would that also continue through their family line? Or is it just mixed? I've had both, honestly. Um, Some people call them their guardian angels. Some people call them their good luck fairies. Some of them, um, unfortunately, are much more negative and scary. Um, I've had a number of family curse reports where Mm -hmm. this entity will show up at a certain age in their life and at a certain time, and it will haunt them until until their death. So sometimes it works out really benevolently that they keep you safe. You know, they keep you from getting into car accidents and things like that. And then other times, uh, the entity seems to drive them either to suicide or an early death via heart attack or stress. Do you think maybe there are two different kinds of entities? Like maybe there's the Orion family and then there's the Pleiades family and then, you know, Scorpio family or something. No idea, but I'd love to come to the reunion. Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think the potato salad's like? Okay, just kidding. (laughs) 
we have a $10 super sticker here from Ann Celine. So thank you very much, Ann, for that. Absolutely appreciate it. Um, so in case, something that I wanted to, uh, to ask you about is that, you know, you're kind of part of the newer generation of, you know, researchers and investigators that are, are coming about now, uh, through the field. So what do you think the future holds for this field? Where are things headed? It's hard to concentrate on the future when I'm working so hard on the day to day, uh, I'm, I'm an experiencer myself. I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I try to live my life one day at a time. And I tell myself and my experiencers that, you know, as long as you don't give up and you believe that change is possible and you work hard for those changes, over time you will be in a very different place. You know, no one can promise you you'll be happy. No one can promise you that you'll be okay. But we can promise you that you'll be in a different place. So... I think that by continuing to talk to these people, by, um, you know, giving them that validation, which they crave so badly, letting them know that they're not crazy. You know, I'm really just trying to start, you know, a ripple in a pond where there's more of me. I could care less if I become a superstar or a celebrity. I just want more people to start thinking like me and being open-minded and more empathetic towards experiencers. As far as, as far as disclosure and whatnot in the government, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting Victoria looked like you wanted to ask something well no I was just going to talk you know you know how we are Go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's interesting because I was telling Mike beforehand I'm, I'm working on my master's in psychology and one of the things I wanted to do was to go into hypnotherapy especially with regression and past life regression and when I told my counselor that she goes that's not real I'm like well you know <laughs> I have gone through the employee assistance program at work, you know, when I've needed to talk to someone and I try and tell them, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. They're like, well, you know, and then they start getting all religious on me and they don't believe my experiences because they want to turn it to a faith-based experience. And I think that can only help, you know, in regressing someone, here I am on a soapbox, regressing someone (laughs) to um, a safe place where they can talk about this and discuss it is it's only going to be beneficial. And I, I agree with you totally. There needs to be more of you (laughs) to, to help people like that and me and other people, you know, who've had experiences. I'm off. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I, I totally approach people on a peer to peer basis. Um, I'm not an expert. I'm not a fancy author. I'm just, I'm just an experiencer. And if people want to talk to me, you know, we're talking one-on-one and sometimes I have a recorder and if they're uncomfortable with that, I'll have a notebook. Uh, one gentleman was very uncomfortable with the notes I was writing. So I ripped the page out and I gave it to him. So, you know, it's, it's really more about them and what they need and not hurting them more than we are helping them. Right. It's helping them find a safe place where they can, cause that's a lot to keep bottled up. I mean, I, I, I can just imagine the PTSD that would happen because of, repressing all this anyway okay i agree so (laughs) so how are people finding you because you mentioned something like people coming up to you in the the grocery store i mean is it just like is it random or people actually you know finding you at a specific uh you know are they finding i wish i knew how's that happening i go to the grocery store dressed like this you know i don't have roswell t-shirts or pins on my bag or anything and someone will corner me in produce and start talking about a near-death experience. Um, I tried to buy a couch recently at a furniture store and someone started telling me about how they had a vision of uh, Martians attacking planet Earth and they had guns and plasma rifles. And here's the coup de grace, is that I was in Austin at a nude beach trying to relax and someone came and sat up next to me and started talking about lucid dreams and sleep paralysis and I'm just like, like i love it i really love it but at the same time it's like totally random okay yeah and every time i try to stop the universe is just like no here's another one you need to keep going okay two things first of all there's a nude beach in austin yes it's called hippie hollow oh hippie hollow okay never mind i know i mean um a friend of mine's told me about that anyway (laughs) yeah sure a friend friend. i'm asking for a friend right (laughs) well Anyway, um, 
because another person and I were talking about this exact same thing yesterday. He's like, I don't know why I want to talk to you. And I was like, well, it's, it's very obvious that there is a light. You know, someone has told me once, if you hold a light, a torch, people will find you when they need to find you. So being someone who um, can talk to experiencers and you've had these experiences and um, you can help them, people naturally will be attracted to you. It's, it's very, um, uh, I can't think of the word, it starts with an S. Uh, oh, well, I don't know. I can't remember. You know, when you have salt and it equals out and balances and anyway. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but they find I, you. You know, yeah, I have yeah. I have the same thing with cats, but they're not my cats. But they do oh, find cats. you. <laughs> yeah, the cats find you all the time. They find me. And, and people who need to talk will turn and find me. And I'm like, okay, they would. I worked in a bookstore and the lady would. Oh, I don't even want to tell you what she was telling me. But um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. You know, and it was it was something she needed to talk about. And I guess I was the right person at the right time. But. Yeah. Well, there you go, Mike. There's another uh, common theme with experiencers is that a lot of them tell me that lost animals find their way to their house. They knock on the door. There you go. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's because uh, you know, in these different fields and I keep saying fields because, you know, we're, you know, you have paranormal, you have UFO, you have, but it, it, they're all related. Um, but we talk a lot about energy and vibration do you think it has something to to do with that there's like a certain resonance out there that you're giving off that you know you know people with a similar type of resonance are kind of tuning into um i can honestly say that i don't know uh, i do have my particular trauma theory about the way the brain and the neurons rewire themselves that's certainly something to explore maybe we're able to find each other easier that way or Maybe I put off some kind of hum or light or smell. Uh, I honestly have no idea, but usually experiencers are referred to me by colleagues or they've heard me on a podcast or it's just the universe goes, here you go, have an experiencer. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, Victoria, so uh, was it synergistically? Sarah, use of toss that down in the chat. No, it's osmosis. No. There is an S in it. Oh, Okay. Oh, oh, you know, when you sleep with a chemistry book on your head and you learn the chemistry. My chemistry <laughs> teachers always made fun of me about that. Like, oh, you trying to learn through osmosis? I'm like, leave me alone. Well, it's a chemistry <laughs> thing. It, apparently it worked, right? <laughs> there you I go. mean, I passed with an A, but still, you know, chemistry teachers are sassy. Yes. <laughs> Did you go to school here in Texas? Um, I did not go to school here in Texas. I uh, went to school in California and North Carolina, and then I continued um, shamanism and Reiki studies here in Texas and oh. awesome, first yeah. aid and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm kind of a Renaissance woman. I know a little bit about a lot. Well, we don't want to talk about Renaissance, but <laughs> no, anyway. So shamanism, Reiki, um, oh. Energy healing. You you have a very um, eclectic background, so you, you want to uh, tell the the viewers a little bit more about you know some of your. It's background? okay, Mike. You can just say I'm weird. Just say it. <laughs> Definitely, I would not use that term ever because we're all involved in this stuff. Eclectic. I've got I've got tarot cards right back there on the desk. I'm pointing right at them. Oh, you've got tarot cards. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. You guys probably have a thousand decks, but uh Well, you know the the phrase for Austin that's your your motto, right? Or your theme. Keep Austin weird. So I mean it's it's perfect. Not that never mind, I'll be quiet. Give me I'm one gonna... second to unplug my fan because it's driving me nuts and I can't hear okay, you. Sure. <laughs> sure, not a problem. <laughs> we have a dance off now. There you yeah. go. Um, but awesome. uh, while she's doing that, a couple comments here. Like Sarah mm -hmm. says, sounds like a connected Yay. universe thing through laws of energetic attraction. Things are drawn to each yeah. other. Uh, Lindsay Rutler saying, yeah, I become like a beacon or a lighthouse for others. Exactly. I was telling so. someone last night, I'm a, I'm a lighthouse. And, you know, if you if you bash me too much, I'm going to crash you on my rocks. And <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I was having a really bad day yesterday. <laughs> so there will be no survivors. It'll Get be all angry. violent here. Adrian Barbo in the fog. <laughs> she woke up and chose violence, and I respect that. <laughs> right. Everybody's cool with that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Alina, our chat moderator, has a has a question here. This is kind of 
you know, dives into my realm a little bit, but the question is for you and Kay. Uh, she asks, how have you heard about experiences where extraterrestrials have shown up as shadow people? I've definitely had more than one. And I think, so I have a couple of them with that, that go into fight or flight mode where a few of them just hold still and they kind of let whatever happens, happens. And then I have some fantastic fighters out there and they figure out that the more that they can move and break through the sleep paralysis and start moving more and making noises, the clearer the being in the room is. Yeah, the sleep paralysis part of it is is definitely terrifying. I, I've been through that. And when you're in a place where you, you're cognizant of everything going on around you, but you can't move uh, that is really scary, and it's like anything you can do to try to you know break out of it. Um, you know, for me, I I learned kind of like just start you know wiggling a toe and kind of you know slowly working up the body, but um, but that's scary uh, when you're experiencing that. Um, this is from Android Purity. What type of experiencers approach NK the most? Extraterrestrial, paranormal, cryptids, uh, multi phenomena experiencers, actually. So, really? so across all, all ranges mm -hmm. with one comes the other. So it's rarely ever just extraterrestrial. I have a lot of paranormal. I have a lot of ghosts. I have a lot of, um, extraterrestrial and UFO as well. I guess my name is most known with UFOs and things like that, but very rarely do they ever just have one phenomena and, you know, just talking to them within five minutes. I'm like, Oh, you can also see ghosts and shadows and you've had a near-death experience and oh, oh okay yeah it was pretty interesting when we were at the ufo megacon just talking to people because i thought i was going to be you know kind of a, a little on my own there with you know the shadow people and paranormal even though there's you know the the crossover with ufo um you know, I, I thought that that was going to be the only way I could talk to people is through the um, the extraterrestrial aspect. But it seemed like everybody there had also experienced, you know, whether it was, you know, ghosts or something paranormal or supernatural or other things that I could certainly relate to and talk to. So I, I found that very fascinating. Oh, yeah. I think the first time I met you, uh, you were at your booth and I told you about the the loop guru shadow. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you came up and started chatting me about that. I was like, okay, yes, <laughs> that was and that was really like one of the first uh, stories related to me by you know somebody at the event that was paranormal related. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, long story short, I was a uh, rocking a baby back and forth at the end of a cul-de-sac, and there was this one lone street light because in Texas apparently we don't believe in street lights. <laughs> so I was rocking this baby, and my daughter's running around, and she's looking at the fireflies. And behind this streetlight, I, I kind of fixated on it for a moment, and I don't know why. Maybe I thought it was strange or weird, but I looked at it, and I saw something stand up. And I thought, oh, well, why is that guy hiding behind a light post? And as soon as it knew that it saw me, like, oh, crap, she sees me. It transformed into this uh, wolfish-like shape, just like black mist, and it ran across the street and jumped the fence and then went into the park in the neighborhood over. Wow. So that was in Austin, in the Austin area? That was in San Antonio. San Antonio. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, do you think, um, like you said, um, the experiencers who've had different types of experiences, do you think we're more open? And so we can see, like, do I have a better chance of seeing Bigfoot? Or am I, like, vibrating a certain frequency or, or a certain reality, and I, I have a better chance of seeing him then? I've never seen I'm Bigfoot. not sure for some people it seems to come naturally and uh i have different age groups and a whole bunch of other stuff um the thing that i deal with primarily my specialty is uh post-traumatic stress disorder and experiencers okay so the people that have had a near-death experience the people that have come back from war the people that have been in horrible domestic violence situations um your brain's neurons, this is science, not me, they will actually rearrange themselves to avoid that trauma because your brain's only job is to keep you safe. So whenever that rearrangement happens, um, 
we don't know if it's junk DNA. We don't know if we're activating something else that's back there. But it seems as soon as that traumatic event happens, their activity seems to pick up immensely. And the more stress that they get, the worse that it gets. So, for example, um, I was very anxious trying to get my computer and my uh, microphone to work. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And eventually there was feedback from Mike and I couldn't hear a thing. And we had to move over to a phone, which uh, isn't connected to any electrical devices. So, yeah, for me, it's it's me and the PTSD people. Um, although I love talking to everyone, like, it's really nice to hear some stories. Like, you know, I, I, I've had a wonderful childhood and I saw a UFO and that was it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Great. <laughs> Do you find um, children are more open or, or are children also traumatized if they have experience? Oh, children are my favorite age group. Mike is smiling already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so I because have, I got to meet your daughter. So yeah, my uh, daughter so she's fascinating. had just turned seven and, and I, I had brought her up on stage to sing her happy birthday. And she Aww. was running up and down the exhibition hall and telling people she was seeing ghosts and black eyed children. Um so that age group from zero to six, uh, when I think that they're closest to the source of the universe, no matter what people think that is, whether it's God or whatever, they just, we haven't trained them that, that you can't do that. You can't see that. That's not real. Don't worry about it. And uh, I've had a cousin that used to tell me that she used to see little people running around in the backyard and they were dressed in all these fancy Victorian clothes and my daughter told me that she was standing up in her crib and she was about two and a half. And she told me, mom, there's a man standing in my room and he has no head. Oh. I don't like it. My, I don't like it either. Let's go sleep upstairs. <laughs> Did you find out who he was? No, I have no idea. Okay. No idea. <laughs> well, but it was to me. It was really fascinating uh, to to see the interaction uh, between you and your daughter, and how uh, you're really nurturing this in her. That you know, not you know, really to not be afraid of it, but to embrace this ability that she has. Oh, definitely. I want her to so much. Uh, growing up as an experiencer alone is it really is one of the loneliest existence there is. Like, I don't have to imagine it. I grew up completely alone. And my experiences started, uh, I, the first one I can remember clearly was when I was seven or eight. And what I'm trying to instill in her is that, you know, even if something weird happens, it doesn't mean that you're weird. And that, you know, she's always safe and loved and wanted. And um, I tell her that every time I drop her off at school, every time I leave her, you know, you're always safe and loved and wanted. And you have to have all three because if, you know, you may be loved and wanted, but if you're not safe, it's time to get out of there. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. And, um, you know, that, that's fantastic that, that you've taken that stance because, you know, we mentioned it earlier back in the day, you know, if you mentioned something like that, some of these different experiences, it was always, um, it was a bad dream or, you know, it could, you could even be worse. Like, you know, you're crazy or yeah. And some people, you know, you know, further back in the day, if you started mentioning, seeing these different things or hearing different things, you know, you found yourself in a straitjacket and were locked up. So we've come a long way and it's, it's fantastic to see, uh, again, I, I've used the word nurture to see you kind of nurturing her, uh, you know, through her experiences, which, which is fantastic. I think we need a lot more of that. Absolutely. So. And I also adopted, um, when I worked at a high school, I adopted an at-risk teen. I was already her at-risk mentor and she was an experiencer as well. And her family was very religious and just had no tolerance for it. So her coming into an environment where, you know, these things were, normal and we knew how to deal with them and we knew how to meditate and to calm down and talk about it um she's a brand new kid she really is i love her so much she's a teenager she's still a pain in the butt but she's come <laughs> leaps and bounds from where she was that's great that's fantastic yeah, uh we have yeah sorry mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. No, I was just going to say we have a $2 super chat from Android Purity. Thank you for the show and questions. Well, thank you oh. for the $2 super chat. So, and he has another question here too. Um, I'm getting 10% so, of this, right, Mike? Right? Yeah. 
you got to get your cut. Uh, so, but his his question was back on the uh, the the shadow figure that basically um, transformed on you. Uh, he was wondering if uh, you believe that was potentially the cryptid known as a dogman. Oh, uh, no, not that I know of. There are a lot of dogman sightings out here in Texas. A whole bunch. It's one of the uh, the meccas of the dogman, really, and. Um, you plug that in, please, over there. Uh, yeah, so I don't think that it was a dog, man. I think it was some kind of either shadow person or other some kind of just energy. And it knew that I saw it, and it just it made the quickest shape it could think of to run away. Because dogmen, uh, I've heard stories of dogmen tearing up porches. I've heard dogmen of uh, eating pets. I've heard dogmen of ripping off screen doors. And it wasn't quite solid enough to be like that. So mm-hmm. it was just in the shape of what I imagine um, a werewolf, like a great big loop guru wolf. And it just took off completely fast. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of shape shifting shadow. But yeah, I also I agree with you. Not a dog man, but um, fair question, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Ask me more. I like questions. <laughs> So, uh, Deborah Olette asks, uh, how many experiencers have uh, you've met talk about their star families as their experiences? That's hard to say. I can't give you a direct number, but I think the one that comes to mind uh, directly is uh, Sherry Wilde. She wrote a book called The Forgotten Promise. And she's uh, she's dealt with it her entire life. She's had eggs harvested. She's met her hybrid children. Um, and then there are other people out there, especially around Austin, that they uh, they call them their spirit guides and their spirit family. So I think that's actually really sweet that they have that kind of support out there and they know that they're not alone in the universe. But unfortunately, most of the people I talk to don't have a... Uh, a star family or hyper children or anything like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, it seems to me there are a lot more people these days coming forward and, and stating or declaring that they are a, a hybrid. Are you seeing more of that these days too, or within your work? Oh, all the time. People tell me all the time that I'm a hybrid because I have very true green vivid eyes. And they're just like, what kind of hybrid are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I gotta go. So is that a thing? I, the green, green eyes? <laughs> it's just a very rare genetic trait. You know, it does happen. But uh, I just have green eyes and they think that I'm a hybrid, which I, I entertain them to a certain degree. But I have met people that have had just the shape of their face and the shape of their eyes and their experiences and the way that they talk about things, you know, I could make an educated guess that they're a hybrid, but I, I wouldn't begin to know how to verify that. Hmm. Interesting. I have green eyes. <laughs> See you too. You too. <laughs> there you hybrid. go. Well, no, that's why I, I, I do not have green eyes. Sorry. I'm not a hybrid. <sighs> Mike. Darn. Okay. You don't attract cats either. Come on now. <laughs> no just birds apparently yeah a lot of birds yes uh, i will say though my eyes have changed colors over the year they used to be just plain brown they're more hazel now so uh, yeah, maybe a little something uh, oh that was on. the thing i was talking about the other day is that i was born blue-eyed and completely blonde hair like shirley temple curly blonde hair oh wow and i don't know if i was replaced by a changeling child or like golden brunette hair color and my eyes went from blue to hazel to like vivid emerald green and no one in my family has eyes like that it was really amazing i've seen the blue i've seen the brown i've seen kind of like the grayish blue but no one has green eyes but me Hmm. any irish in your family nope okay Hmm. (laughs) unless the milkman was very interesting (laughs) (laughs) well you know (laughs) you never know so interesting question here from uh, Sarah Youssef. Do you see regional varieties when it comes to experiencers? That is a good question. Well, 
You could you could do, just do it simply and say that around the Indian reservations, I get a lot of that type of folklore and those type of sightings. Um, we did have a couple of sightings. I, I visited Tombstone recently, so we had a lot of paranormal stuff going on there. Uh, Texas is definitely one for Sasquatch and Dogmen and UFOs, Arizona too. And then when I lived in North Carolina, um, once again, it picked up with Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Which part? Maybe of they, they just like the topography. I'm not sure. Which part of North Carolina were you in? I lived outside of Fort Bragg. Oh, okay. Because I lived in New Bern for a while. So, mm. yeah, I get you. <laughs> okay. So, in, in that, you, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the Native American aspect, and that's been... Um, something I've been interested in lately and, and at the conference talking with uh, Clifford Mahoudi, who's, who's absolutely wonderful, but um, I've been, I've been to Chaco Canyon and you see the, the petroglyphs there of the star people. And so, you know, it's things like that, that make me wonder, okay, are, are those star people that they depicted there, you know, you know a thousand years ago, or are they still, uh, visiting us today, are these what people are, are still experiencing in areas like that? What do you think? I think it could be both. They believe yeah. that their ancestors live among them and walk among them every day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the ones that terrified me the most was an entity called Walking Sam. And this is something that happened within the last 10 or 15 years where a reservation just had an ad- abnormal amount of adolescent and teenage suicides and they did a full mm-hmm. investigation into it and they said there's a man that calls you out into the desert and it's not that he's evil he's just lonely and when he holds up his arms it's all these people hanging up from his arms like he's trying to gather mm-hmm. as many people as he can so they actually ended up busting um quite a number of kids i think it was about eight to ten kids that were getting ready to perform a group suicide because they wanted to join walking sam on the indian reservation you're gonna have to give it a google i don't remember the name of it but uh, wow these things are are very real and they're much more real than we would like to think you know it's not just a dark bedtime story yeah that's almost reminiscent of you know you hear some of the slender man tales and what people will do in the name of slender man and and you know, so that's that's definitely scary because people will take that into a very dark place. So yeah, um, yeah, that that's sad to hear that there was almost a group suicide like that. Wow. Wow, it's a good thing they stopped it. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So uh, we just had a uh, ten dollars super sticker from D Santi. Well, thank you very much, D. Absolutely appreciate that. So these are all, and, and it's, it's a shame the StreamYard won't show the actual stickers because <laughs> oh. there are some very cute animations here. <laughs> um, that, this one is a, uh, a, a pair with a headband that's, that's bowing and saying thank you. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So a uh, question here from Android Purity. Are the greys the most common reported alien among abductees? No, actually they're not. I've had more tall whites than I have had grays. Tall whites. Interesting. And the, the entity that they like to call the puppet master or the hooded one, the one that's really tall and wears a hood and looks kind of like a grim reaper. And then he controls the grays that kind of go around and do his bidding. I've had lots of reports of the hooded one. I've had lots of reports of tall whites only a couple of small grays, but they always seem to be around or close by to the hooded figure. Interesting, because with, yeah. with my research with, with shadow people, uh, the, the hooded figure comes into play. And it really seems like a, a mixed bag where, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, people be you know very frightened of it seems, you know, nasty, malevolent, may even do something uh you know, physical to the person. Other times seems rather benevolent, may actually help people. So it's interesting to hear another perspective of, you're, you're saying that the hooded figure is supposed to control the grays. Definitely. Um, here's a scary story just for you, Mike, just because you said okay, in the book. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, an, I have an original Rendlesham experiencer and he told me this story and I didn't sleep for days. 
is that him and a bunch of other kids were on a school bus and they were on their way to the school on the on the Air Force Base. And for whatever reason, the driver pulled over and the clouds went over the, the sky and the sun and all the lights went out and everyone just kind of slumped forward in their seat. Now, he was sitting in the very back, so he kind of felt something was up and he didn't know what the smell was then, but he said, I can only describe it as kind of an ozone smell. So they're parked, everyone's asleep, including the bus driver, everything's, you know, getting pretty dark. And all of a sudden, the doors open. And this thing walks on the bus, and it's heavy enough to make the bus shift over. And it's one of the tall, hooded figures. And he just started pointing at certain kids. And the little greys would pick him up and take him out of the bus. So luckily he was able to stay hidden or they didn't notice him or they didn't care. They took him away and about 45 minutes to a few hours later, he doesn't know how long they came back. They put them all back. They left, you know, the clouds, everything's fine. And he's like, did I just, did I have a dream? Was it a nightmare? Do you remember that? Did you see that? Do you in just, what are you talking about? You're insane. Just be quiet. Leave me alone. Weird kid. And when they got to the base, gates where you have to show your identification in order to get in they ripped the bus driver off of the bus because they had over oh. two hours of missing time where they could not find the bus driver or those kids oh wow and this oh, is in england so there's one right. main road and they were patrolling that main road they were patrolling the side roads you know all of the bus routes they could think of couldn't find the bus couldn't find the bus driver couldn't find the kids um yeah Wow. Well, that that's fascinating, um, and we've we're familiar, uh, you know, quite with uh, rendition because we've had Jim Peniston on the on the show a couple times. So I could imagine uh, where that happened at. But uh, what's interesting is the the smell of ozone. You know, you usually get that, you know, like you know, following a um, you know like a thunderstorm and the lightning will you know the discharge that happens from the energy you'll get that sort of smell so in you're saying that this shadow or not the shadow the hooded figure um appeared just after this with the grays so that's fascinating to me and then i followed up with him um when he was in his 70s he was living uh on his parents property and he said he heard something just kind of walking around and he got up and it was one of the little grays and turned to the side and in kind of the shadows of the living room, it was the the hooded figure. And he's, he's asking, you know, like, why are you here? You know, like, you're not scary. You're not hurting me. Why are you here? And he just said, oh, we're just checking up on your parents. Go back to bed. Just checking on the parents. Just checking on yeah. your parents. Do you remember when we had Terry Lovelace on? And I, I think it was Terry. Um, and he said the grays, he thought, weren't even um actual ets they were more like an ai or a robot or yeah little little yeah. automatons yes i mean is is that something you've experienced too or, or heard about or it makes sense to me i can't say one way or another whether or not that's true but it does make sense that they they seem to serve someone else or do the bidding of something else and then when they're done with their work they're done they just leave yeah interesting yeah, they're just wow. carrying out some sort of task. Yep. And and they all seem to look exactly the same, almost like they're they're cloned from each other. So I can certainly, you know, see the argument there that, you know, they may be, like you said, some sort of automaton. It, it makes sense. Hmm. That would that would really make sense if they were having to travel long distance and stuff and you wouldn't have you know, things to keep alive or something. Or, or, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, you got to think, you know, if we were to send a, um, you know, a, a probe out there or you know, something to, whether it's to, um, to research or, you know, collect uh, data or even, you know, what interact a little bit if, uh, if need be, we're, we're probably not going to send a whole bunch of humans at first. We would send you know, some sort of, you know, whether it was a, a robot or drones, but this you know the grays could be like a biological form of the same concept mm -hmm. so that's interesting yeah um 
so we have a question here. It's very similar to one that we had earlier. Uh, it was from D Santi, and uh, you know, they did give a super chat. So uh, have you found ETs and shadow people hang out together? <laughs> like a mixer? <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of the Star Wars cantina, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. A lot of my experiences are multi-phenomena. Like, I've never heard of shadow people and ets being in the same room at the same time i mean that's possible i'm sure that it's happened maybe i just haven't heard of it uh they seem to experience those at different times yeah yeah and i would just uh follow up to to say on that like sometimes the shadows are the ets like some shadow people are actually ets there are a variety of different things from from my experiences so they could be human spirits they could be interdimensional beings they could be time travelers they could be ets they could be a lot of different things so sometimes they could be one in the same but having a mixer i don't know <laughs> um for like sarah yusuf no. <laughs> yeah, sadie hawkins there. There you go. <laughs> have you noticed any connection between color and being defined as good or evil orbs mess me up i don't know what it is with orbs they have a mind of their own I've heard that the red ones are malevolent and they chase you and they're bad. I've heard the red ones are good. I've heard the white ones are good. I've heard the white ones are bad. I've heard the blue ones are like will-o'-the-wisps and they'll lead you to your fate. Um, I have no idea. There's a huge palette of colors and uh, I'm not sure which one are, which one means that they're evil or which one means that they're good. Um, but if there was a red orb in the forest chasing me, I would definitely run away and not stick around to see what it meant. Yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah I think it's kind of interesting that we as humans, because we associate feelings and emotions with different colors. And it's interesting how we try to take a phenomenon that is a certain color and try to define it into what we believe the specific emotion should be. So I think that's it's kind of human nature when we try to do something like that. But that's like, I mean, I know, I know the Disney villain color palette, but that's about it. Right. What? <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Oh, well, wouldn't that just be like a refraction of the light? Not necessarily a indication of good or evil. If they're different colors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing, Victoria. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know how much time I have left. Um, We've got a few minutes. What you part to... of my uh, presentation did you want me to talk about more or? Um, that's a good question. I'm getting asked a question now. <laughs> you were there, Mike. You were there. I was there, yes. And um, I mean, we, we kind of hit on a number of those things early on. Um, we well, were talking about. Question, if you don't. Go ahead, Victoria. Um, let's say John Doe, your neighbor, um, is an experiencer. How does he go about finding someone to help him with his trauma? You just can't call up a, you know, someone who's on your insurance plan or your HMO because they're going to dismiss you and you're kind of loopy or something. But how do they go about finding someone? Do they contact MUFON or they keep it to themselves? I mean, how do they get help? Start with someone you trust okay. and just say, hey, I want to tell you something. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to pretend to understand. There's just really something I want to get off my chest, and I would be very grateful if you would just listen to me. Okay. So start with a friend. Um, you can move on to other outside organizations like MUFON. They may give you information that you don't want or that's incorrect, or they'll try to loop you into a study. Um and actually, I've had a very positive experience. I've had multiple therapists that were willing to talk about uh, the universe and visitors and things like that and uh, shared dreams that they were having in group sessions. So most of the younger psychologists and psychiatrists, you know, you can bring it up, you know, just bring it up gently. Like, oh, I'm having some nightmares about aliens and being abducted. Like, what do you think about that? And if they're open to it, you know, you can talk a little bit more and if they're not, you know, find someone else. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's not like you can sort them, like, you know, by distance and travels and UFO experience or anything. It's, okay. But here we go, Mike. You knew I was going to do it. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Uh-oh. 
I really don't recommend uh, hypnotic regression. It's one of my last resorts. I would much rather you go see a therapist. I would much rather you try cognitive behavioral therapy. I would much rather you try accelerated resolution therapy, um, prolonged exposure therapy. I remembered things in my childhood that I never thought I would remember, like the color of my sheets and the way the wind smelled when it came through the window. Um, and there are some really good professionals out there that do hypnotic regression, but unfortunately it, it really is a skill that you can learn over the internet and print out a certificate and go on zoom and hypnotize people. And I say this because, um, I personally know experiencers that were hypnotized by a, someone who was not a professional. They had no aftercare plan. They had opened that floodgate of trauma and suddenly remembered everything. And there was no aftercare plan and they committed suicide. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's really scary. And that was, you know, for, for me with your presentation, that was, um, you know, the, the, the big takeaway that, you know, the, these people are reliving their experiences and there's, you know, there's no follow up. They're kind of, you know, left, uh, out in the wind and then you have something terrible like that happen. Yeah. So it seems yeah. irresponsible of the healthcare professional. Definitely. So there's lots of people that want to take advantage of you. There's lots of people that are going to pretend that they have all the answers and they want to help you, but please be judicious. You know, these are your experiences and your stories and your entities and you get to decide what you want to do with them. If you survive it, you get to define it. Yeah, so what's your what's your best recommendation if somebody wants to, you know, that maybe maybe they know something happened to them, but they don't know what it was. You know, they're just like, I, you know, I have a little glimpse of something. I know something happened. They want to remember it. So what's your recommendation for them to do with that? My personal favorite is accelerated resolution therapy. I get really irritated when uh, specialists try to explain to you what happened. Like, oh, it was a tall gray or a tall white. Like, no, it happened to me. I get to decide. See, you can do all kinds of research. There's a lot of great books out there. Um, I really recommend Accelerated Resolution Therapy, not only because it helps you turn your trauma into information, but it's also lowering all of your other stress levels and cortisol levels, and you're dealing with that trauma in a very healthy, safe space. Can you describe a little bit about what exactly that is? So ART, uh, <laughs> the way that it was, I, I do ART. I am a patient. But the way it was described to me was that it's like a Jedi mind trick. So instead of hypnosis, where they're doing the wavy thing with a watch or something and releasing those chemicals in the back of your brain, this way you're in a specific scenario. You're being led by a medical professional to, to make those memories come alive for you again and to understand them and to kind of wash them away into something that you can deal with and, um, yeah, I have a, a long history of domestic violence, among other things, and it helped immensely. Oh, my God. Just my stress levels, uh, the information that I was able to glean instead of being stressed all the time. You know, I thought that it was amazing. So I love ART. Very interesting. So uh, what was the name of the book again? So people can go check it out. Which one? With the, with the ART. Oh, it's just... That's the, what it's called. It's Accelerated Resolution Therapy. So it's an acronym of ART. And you can okay, find... Okay. I, thought you, I thought you said there was a book associated with it, but... There uh, is. Um, okay. It's done by Mr. Jim Denning. It's called... Make It to Midnight. And there's him and his dog. Oh. Okay, great. There we go. Yeah. Jim Denning, And it's great. called Learning to Live When You Want to Die. Which was oh. very poignant and very truthful. I was like, you know, there's a lot of days where I don't really want to live, but I have to. He's like, notice it says learning to live when you want to die, not wanting to live. So I was like, oh, okay. He's like, the wanting comes later. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, we have about a uh, a minute left in the live show here. Um, how can people, you know, contact you, uh, you know, about your work if they, you know, you know, being an experiencer, if they want to share something with you, uh, how can they reach out and, and contact you? And what do you have coming up? Uh, I have a Facebook page. I am NK Cranda. You can message me at any time. Uh, I have a Gmail. It's preserveyourexperience at gmail.com. And what I have coming up is I'm really excited to finally uh, 
have my own little studio. I have time to work on my book. Um, and in September, uh, I'm writing a proposal to actually go to another convention. And I'm, and I'm really, really hoping that they're going to accept it because I think that my presentation touched on a lot of important points, but I could go a lot farther with those subjects. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, you're, you know, what you discussed in your presentation to me was you know, like so important and nobody's talking about it in your, so you know, I, I hope, I hope they accept you for sure. So. Thank you. They will. All right. <laughs> Well, NK, thank you so much for joining this us this evening. It was absolutely fantastic. We'll definitely have to have you back at some point in the future, perhaps when your book comes out. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that would be great, and we can help you promote that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually have yours right here on my desk. Too. Oh, there it is. <laughs> well, fantastic. I have a book. I have a book. It's John Oh, Glenn. yeah, the John Glenn book. <laughs> Ooh. My daughter Send me one. Oh, oh, you can be one of my references. It's autographed. It's it's a it's a treasure. So I don't have a book <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> well, okay. Again, thank you so much. We will talk with you again soon. It was nice. All right. Thanks, you. guys. Bye. Be safe. All right. Bye. Bye.